0: Welcome back, everyone, to the Story Points Podcast. It's the only tech show that I'm aware of where software engineers and non-software engineers get together to discuss different topics in the world of tech. I'm Roger, founding engineer at Balanced.
1: I'm Joe, senior software engineer at SeatGeek. I'm George, front end engineer at Capsule. And I'm Greg, data analyst at Brinks. Welcome back, Joe. Thanks.
0: Welcome back, Joe.
2: Yay. Yeah, good to be back. We missed, we missed you.
0: you. Someone else used used your mic, by the way. Oh no! We it, don't worry. We don't smell it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, cleaned it. we cleaned it. So you missed a whole episode. I think we should leave it up to you to discuss what we talk about next.
3: Yeah. So I think we talked about front end last time I was around. So yeah, I Correct. believe that
0: was episode seven. Front end, <laughs> happy hour engineering. I never get the titles right. I always forget.
3: (laughs) So, are we doing episode eight back end? No, this is episode nine. (laughs) Episode nine. Wow, rip. All right, episode nine back end. Let's do it. And I feel
0: like there's other things there, right? Back end and stuff that you work with,
2: maybe infrastructure. Yeah. Cloud. Wow, they're both so little that you have to combine them for one episode. Hey, wow. They wow. just go hand in hand, just like front end and UI, okay? Got it, got it, got um, it. But I yeah, I heard
1: there was going to be a full episode on DevOps, so...
0: Teaser. He's waiting for that. <laughs> Time to shine, buddy.
3: <laughs> not that I condone the DevOps term, just saying.
0: <laughs> yeah, so this week it's we DevOps. are going to be discussing backend and infrastructure uh, to kind of continue off on our series from before... We took a little break because Joe was missing. So we got a hobo off the street, Jonathan, to discuss tech culture. Uh, But this time we are going to continue off of from before it was API, front end, and now back end and infrastructure to kind of round out the whole series of kind of what it takes to build an application. I think that sounds good, right? C.
2: Nailed it. I think. I don't know. I'm hoping you you can teach me. (laughs) Teach you what? Well... Let's start with the uh, the basics. I guess, what's a general uh, explanation of back-end
1: That's a good question, because I, I, too, would like to learn what is back-end. Yeah, so
0: I, and this is my opinion of what a back-end service or system is. Um, so we talked about before in episode seven, front-end happy hour engineering, um, about how front-end is pretty much displaying data. So, the back end is kind of like how you get that data on your screen. So, whether it's like Twitter or Facebook, how do you get your newsfeed? Um, Processing data. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, when you make a post, when you make a tweet, where is that going? And that's going to the back end and the infrastructure that's kind of like behind that whole thing. So, it's almost like the engine that runs your car.
3: Yeah, it's actually a good analogy. Yeah, it, I just saw that right there. It's like it's like it's what drives everything.
0: Yeah. yeah, drives. I've been really into cars lately. You guys didn't know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Too into cars
1: lately. Um, but yeah, uh, I guess backend can be a lot more than just APIs. Um, starting at Capsule, I thought you know. Backend was pretty much just making the APIs that I, as a front-end engineer, would use and interact with, but especially on my team, um, we handle a lot of what happens once you place your order, so there's a lot of, like, workflows. When you hit checkout, you know, we need to check if whatever you ordered is available, and then if it is, go talk to something else, and then schedule a delivery, and, you know, send a message to contact you. So back end I guess is a lot more uh, involved. That complicated, engine is pretty big complex. Yes. Right. Yeah, cuz that's how it, I thought like I
0: started off doing web development and I was like, "Wow, like how does all this stuff get onto the screen and like mm-hmm. where am I storing all this stuff cuz to me as a web developer I was just hitting an API and it's like where does it go?" And I remember back end and like databases which is kind of like where the infrastructure kind of lies in there
2: was like so scary to me. I was like, oh man, I don't know. I don't want to touch that. Yeah. So let me see if I'm following. Like if I go, if I'm buying something and I hit checkout, a front end engineer is pretty much designed that button and that layout. So I, where I can hit checkout. But then when I hit it, I'm, I guess, communicating with an API that was built by a backend to, as George said, to make sure that item is still in stock or,
0: Yeah, yeah. So, like, I think this kind of rolls into, like, you know, we talked about, we kind of summed up what a back end, what back end is, but Mm -hmm. it's like one type of it is, I believe we talked about this in API or front end one of the two episodes about CRUD apps. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah,
3: Yeah, piece of CRUD. CRUD. There you go. (laughs)
0: Um, We talked about it of how technically, if we want to, like, kind of bring everything full circle here, that... And a back-end service, right, an API backend is just the interface to a database where all of your data lives. Yes, I do remember that discussion. Yeah. So, like, if you want to kind of, like, bring everything full circle, right, A back an API is a back-end, or a back-end is an API to a database, almost.
3: Yeah, so, like, when you're hitting an API, right, like, that's basically you're talking to the back-end Got services. It. Yeah.
0: yeah, so you can store, like, you know, you add mm-hmm. something or... Twitter's just easier, there's more complexities to like Amazon, and like adding something to a shopping cart, but like creating a post on Twitter, you're sending a request to a backend service that's saying, oh, Greg wants to save this post, right? And the reason why you don't necessarily connect your front end the Twitter app or the website to just the database, adding the credentials there is because then anybody has access to those credentials. Mm, so it. I can go in there because all front end code is like accessible to anyone to read. If you know what you what to look for, you can find it. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to like, you know, be insecure that way. And then I can grab mm-hmm. all the data and passwords and all that kind of stuff.
3: That's a good point because I feel like a lot of people don't get that connection. Where yeah. it's like, why can't the front end just talk directly to the
1: database? Roger's looking at me. (laughs) How many times did I yell at you? You can't just do that. That's because I didn't understand it. And now I'm like, okay, someone can definitely just go into your database and wipe the whole thing. Yeah. But I had to learn that through listening to the story points podcast <laughs> because i didn't have the story points podcast back then. wow now
0: all of you can learn from george's mistakes <laughs> yes
2: please george is like i only lost five million user credit card dollars. <laughs> wasn't
1: that bad yeah it's <laughs>
2: it
3: only four million come on uh,
2: but it is things like that that
0: you know uh it's shocking that actually like we talk about keeping back end systems secure but it's shocking how people yeah it's okay no one will find out about that insecure loophole and people do and that's how information gets stolen
2: mm-hmm. that happened to target a few years ago right i don't know if you remember that pretty sure like target was like anyone who used their credit card at target in the last like six months you most likely had your information yeah. leaked
3: but wasn't that wasn't something with target where like they had some air condition control System in all of their stores or something that was just like sniffing all of the, the customer <laughs> data. <did> <laughs> what? That's... Yeah, that's, that's actually
0: so that's a fun fact that like appliances, like a coffee machine or a printer, <laughs> a printer is the, the most like common one. There's so many like kind of back doors in there to get into people's mm, infrastructure. Like yeah, yeah, that you can just like sniff anything from there.
3: I mean, that totally could be a different breach, but I thought that there was
1: something like that. Got it. Mm-hmm. But there are, to to go into, like, the different parts of backend, uh, and, and I'm just going to use, like, Amazon as an example. If you check out on Amazon, let's say you talk to the inventory API. Once you hit checkout, that could say, okay, reserve one of these items for Greg. And then it might say, now send a message to another service and schedule a delivery it's going to be ready at this time schedule a delivery so like there could be two services one has an api that the front end uses one just lives on its own and sits there and the only way to communicate with it is for another back-end service to send a message
3: now when you say send a message
1: yes are you talking
3: directly to that service are you queuing it up are you
1: doing something else so as i've learned um, i'm sure you guys can talk more about it um yeah they go by queues um something like one service can send a a message and it's it's pretty much like i guess think of it like a stack of, of papers like whatever comes in that's the first one you work on and you just keep going um but it's a good way to keep things like flowing that way you can so many people can place orders and if you run into a problem you know you can stop reading the queue if anything and you won't lose like whatever orders were placed um
0: yeah it it also like in a more something more of like a uh something that maybe you might be able to understand it's like when you add when you check out and buy something on Amazon you'll always get that like all good we got your request and then maybe like two minutes later you get an email being like yeah pens were out of stock mm. and like that's what we call asynchronous workers so there's different backend systems processing your order I call that
2: bullshit
0: yeah because I, I didn't <laughs> realize <not> <laughs> like I just remember one time like I and this is after I've already been programming for like three or four years uh, Amazon started doing that and I was like Whoa, I got an email that said it's out of stock. And maybe they're doing it for a while and that's the first time I noticed. But that was that was when it kind of clicked into me like, oh, they're just optimistically assuming they have it in stock. And then they just say, You're we're good. We got your order, you know, and hopefully they're all good. But then eventually they'll be like, Yeah, we're actually out of stock. Um, and that's why actually the like the PS5 dropping, right? People were trying to buy the crap out of that. It's because they never got full inventory.
2: Everything mm-hmm. wasn't processing fast enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I have a question. I don't know if we touched on this in prior episode. I apologize if we have. When you have your meetings or when you start your sprints or whatever, are those like are you do the back end and front end are you guys in the same meeting or are you just sticking like are the back end engineers by themselves and the managers are the ones who are like getting feedback from both sides or uh that's a maybe?
0: that's a good question actually kind of dives into kind of how teams are structured but uh George you can go
1: since uh, you were raising your thumb at me yeah um <laughs> everyone is in the same meeting normally a team has both types of engineers um and yeah like work is divided based off how many people you have how fast everyone can work the manager will i mean during during like retros and stuff everyone is kind of treated equally so like anyone can bring up any problem um i've brought up several times like hey i've noticed that you know our apis have different names what's up with that so that's something for like the front end and back end since i'm the only front end on the team like that's a way for them to communicate and like get on the same standard so it is it is definitely helpful also to be in the same meeting do people get offended these
2: like do you have to like be careful not to offend a front end or a back end like when you're like hey you're not doing your job the way I need it to be done mm. to help my job. Yes, <laughs> there, there's I'm the conversation that it like yes. like yeah. comes with the territory, but yeah,
0: yeah.
3: Also, to defend that point though, naming is
1: hard. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, that, yeah. There's like these I rules. <laughs> you have to get it. <laughs> there, there are these
0: rules that uh, in like programming, like the number one thing is like naming is the hardest thing yeah right it was like yeah. invalidating cash so like inventory right that's like one of the hardest things to do
2: yeah do companies build like uh come up with some sort of naming system or is it, it you kind of really just do it i on the guess fly?
1: it's like language specific it's follow the standards that are already there and i guess the what i've run into a lot is like People working with different languages like different languages have different styles of like casing so yeah i've seen people mix that up a lot and it's really weird when you're like writing things out and you notice it and you're like oh crap um but yeah you you bring it up you hope they don't judge you and they're like silly front-end engineer go away
0: yeah and it's like it's a big topic in engineering is like formatting your code and like rules around it so like he said there's casing um and then there's like blurred lines of it right so like with javascript it's camel case so that's the first letter in the word is lowercase and then every instead of a space for a new word it would be an uppercase Hmm. so like a camel um python is snake case so it's underscores and then there's exceptions where like you have this dives into coding a little bit of like a variable. If it's a constant variable, meaning it never gets changed, you just keep it all uppercase. It's very weird like rules that you just learn as you just start programming. Yeah. And there are some people who are very, very, very strict on it where I've they have blocked reviewing my code and be like, no, change this. I'm like, all right.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I say,
0: (laughs) my my cop out for any engineers listening is always okay. Add it to our linting rules, and then, wow, yeah, it's the cop out (laughs) answer. Add it to the linting (laughs) rule. That's a bullshit answer. No, if linting should catch it. Yeah, no, that's the. I agree. It's just like
3: (laughs) if I saw that, I'd be like, you're an asshole. (laughs) But anyway, so in the front end episode, you're an (laughs) asshole. (laughs) Oh, well, so before you go, Grant, go, ahead, go ahead. Like, if I was going to give a suggestion like that, I would make the suggestion in the code so that you can just, like, accept it. You know, we can do a code review and you can, like, suggest the change.
0: You know I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that might just be a GitLab thing. Maybe it's a
1: GitLab no, thing. No, no, but, Like no. That's a GitHub thing. Okay. It's you been, just work alone. It's been one year since <laughs> just, someone has reviewed just, my code, yeah. so it just merges everything yeah. to master. It's fine. <laughs> it is super nice. Yeah, so, like, if you oh, if somebody so cool. has, yeah. like, a
3: typo or, like, they name something weird, yeah. you can, like, suggest to them in the review wow it says hey make it this and they can just hit a button and it'll like that's
0: it. really cool yeah that is awesome <laughs> wow that's <laughs> can't wait to hire the second engineer
2: it's like word documents sharing like you could suggest changes yeah, and yeah. you could accept it yeah, their- yeah okay, exactly. So exactly it's more complicated so but, i mean well actually did you have a question or i was gonna like, I, I don't know like it may be related to what you guys were just talking about because in the front end episode, we talked about the challenges of a front end engineer working with like a designer. I was wondering on the flip side, like what issues do back end engineers have in terms of like butting heads with other, I think other it's, positions it's like, what it's were you more talking about? like what we were just talking yeah, about. Yeah. That's why it's like code
3: quality and naming and things like that. Because as you're looking at the code, like it's back end, right? Nobody mm-hmm. cares. Well, people care, but like, you're not gonna have customers your who users, are looking at it, right? right? That's
0: like such beautiful code you're writing.
3: <laughs> no, other other engineers will care about that, but like yeah. customers don't care, right? Like you're not gonna sell more whatever prescriptions because your back end code looks pretty, right? Yeah. So I have a
1: question for the back end. The people that have seen back end stuff. Wink wink. Um, if a front end engineer <laughs> is working on a project and uh, they're working with an API that you wrote, and uh, they need some other piece of information, and they tell you, would you say it's on you to, like, edit your API and add that? Or is it on them to maybe use a different API that has that information? I think it depends on the company. Like, if your company culture
3: is hey, you need a new API in the system you're working with? Yeah. Go put the API in and get the data yourself. Then, like, go ahead and do
1: it. Me as the front-end engineer, go into the back-end and make make that. Yeah, but
0: then, so, I'm playing devil's advocate. I agree. I think the front-end engineers, we've talked about it. They've grown out of just building pretty UIs. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm getting that. I'm going to make that statement there. But like, full stack. Yeah, but to argue that it's, like, why don't we tell the front end the back end engineers to fix the front end so that it it works with their backend? Well, that, that so designed. that's why
3: it depends. Like, yeah. how quickly do you need it? If it's something like, hey, can you put this in our backlog? We need this in a couple weeks. Yeah, we'll get to it. Or if you're the kind of engineer that's just like, hey, I could do this. I want to jump in. I'll put in the like the pull request, mm-hmm. make the API myself, and just send it over to you guys to review.
0: Yeah, but again, playing devil's advocate. No, I'm being serious. Like. If a backend engineer is like, hey, we made a new API, um, you know, this new button, it needs to make a request. You just need to change the URL in the front end code. That's it. The not, nothing Nothing even like stylistic. You mm-hmm. got to change the URL. I would say 98% of the time, the backend engineer is going to be like, front end engineer, go do it. Yeah. They're not going to just yeah. go look I mean, for it the depends, URL changes. Depends on
3: the engineer, right? Yeah. Like maybe you're right, like most backend. Engineers.
0: It's just like a weird stigma of like, and we've talked about it where like front-end engineers are like, yeah, I'll go do the end because it's yeah. something different. And then the backend engineers is like, yeah, no. not too Yeah, much. but I mean, like I know
3: a lot of engineers who will be like, hey, I want to get this thing out. I know I need to change this URL from X to Y. Like I'll go find the code and just put...
0: put yeah, yeah, yeah. but I'm just yeah. like... That's, for, a very, for that's a small, really yeah. Good, it's easy, like, that's like, a, like, a really good engineering team. Yeah. Uh, I've been part of teams where, are like, no, you're front end. I don't touch that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, that's fair. The guy was the biggest asshole. I'm not even kidding. <laughs> and I don't understand. He didn't do any work, but anyway, <laughs>
1: demonetize. I guess it's, it's demonetized. at, at Capsule, they're more like defined boundaries. Also, things are written in Python and Kotlin, which I don't know. So it's more of like me just asking yeah. hey i need this change and then just waiting i mean it's
3: always going to be easier go to just be like something. hey i need this change real quick can you guys do this yeah. for us and then like, um
2: when I, that happens do you go to your manager
1: to do that do you go directly to a back end person like how, that's how does... that's kind of like what standup is for like if i ran into a problem today tomorrow i can bring up i need these changes I can't continue on this ticket. I'm going to mark this ticket as blocked. Mm-hmm. And someone make a ticket to make a backend change, and I can link it. Um, but yeah, typically, it's it's like a stand-up thing. That's one of the pros of like constant communication within the team. Uh, if it's something super urgent, teams normally have like private channels where they can all talk. So I've gone in there and said, like, hey, who, who worked on this endpoint? can you make a change or who's available to make a change here? And yeah, I'll do that. Yeah. Usually I'll just message in the team channel and be
0: like, Hey, I need to make this change. What do I got to do? And then like, 90% 90% of the time to be like, we'll make the change because they don't want anyone else touching it. So, aren't you the whole
2: team right now? <laughs>
0: yeah. I message myself. Yeah, it's just
3: like a constant stream of, Hey, how do I do this?
0: That's a great question, Roger. It's I got a, you.
3: It's a sad channel.
0: <laughs> I start, I start thumbs up my, my own channel. messages. <laughs>
3: I mean, the other thing you could do, right, is say, Yeah, we can get to that next sprint. Can you put on a ticket? And then when you do your planning, You bring it up and say, "Hey, they asked for this thing, and yeah, can we prioritize?" To kind of
0: yeah, to kind of flip it though, right? Um, You know, we talk a lot about like if a front end engineer has to make a request to a back end engineer to make a change, but like, what if you as infrastructure you deal with a lot of infrastructure? If they need to make changes on their end, Uh, this dives in a little bit of like how like Dev DevOps, I put that in quotes, and kind of how that all works. Yeah.
3: So, like, if we need to make a change, right, to a bunch of backend services, because we are doing something on the infra side, and let's it depends, say, like,
0: I just want to like kind of like make an example, right? Like, yeah. Good. Let's say security work. Yeah. Like right now, we're going through making sure our application is HIPAA and SOC two compliant and high trust and all that stuff. Yeah. Um. So let's say you know you had to come to me about a backend like, hey, we need these things changed that's just the example just so people yeah can follow.
3: <laughs> yeah so i mean there's a couple things you could do right like you can write docs and say hey these are all the things you have to change like lay it out for them and say hey can you like make this change or if it's that straightforward like i said like good engineers will just go in and do it but it depends like the breadth of the change right yeah if every team has to touch every project then you're not going to go in and make MRs or prs for everything right so that's when you'll go the whole like here's the documentation here's how you fix it for things like security like we've had incidents where i don't know like the log4j thing that happened a couple months ago Mm -hmm.
0: for anyone who doesn't know log4j is a library for a programming language called java right java yeah yeah okay i couldn't remember and they had a huge security breach yeah a lot of engineering teams were uh, scrambling to fix. <laughs>
3: yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it w- and it was hitting everything. It was hitting software. It was hitting routers. It was hitting yeah. literally like anything connected to the internet. But for cases like that, the security team was like, hey, here's our fix. And they went in to X number of repos and they put all the fixes in. And really? Like, hey, approve this. We're going to merge
0: am. I don't know why I'm so surprised because usually security teams are just like, you guys should fix it. <laughs> like no. They no, look like, at their teams and they're like, you're fixing
2: that. Yeah, no. Like if the
3: change needs to happen, like we're gonna we're gonna do it.
2: Yeah. So
0: yeah. Hmm.
2: So do does back end typically have the more severe emergencies? Like does mm. sh- shit hit the fan or like when you're on I, call? Like it, it Or do you always have a
1: front end and back end person like on call? So as a front-end engineer who... We get it. You're the only front-end engineer. Has been engineer? on call. Uh Engineer? Engineer. <laughs> um, like, being on support sucks because most of the time, the front-end just takes whatever the back-end sends and displays it. So, typically, when there's, like, a problem, it's a problem in, like, a back-end service. And normally if like something goes down or something has to be restarted it's also a back end
0: yeah because usually it's like like you said the front end investigates and then you're like you know, clean up your crap yeah and then it's on them to clean up it's up to the back end to clean it out uh greg so what i wanted to ask you actually is you know we are we are actually talking a lot more about like communication right of like problems so like when you're in accounting if there was a problem with another department how would you guys usually handle that
2: uh well i think one good thing about my last company is since the de- department wasn't huge like the whole accounting department i mean the whole office like all the departments were in one office on one floor it wasn't yeah. like a huge multiple floor building so usually you would just go to the person like when he was working from home you just message them or, or call them mm-hmm. and then if if you know you couldn't get in contact with them then i would go to like my supervisor or director being like hey can you nudge them can you you know, talk to their boss. Can you find out? But no, usually it was, everyone was really cool. Like you just kind of walked up to them and be like, Hey, I need this. Hey, I'm having a problem with this. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I I had good experiences with that. Same with my first company. I think, um, it was very easy to go to my manager and being like, Hey, I'm having a problem with this. And it's like, okay, let's figure it out. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, there's never any like super crazy emergencies. And we never had to be, like, on call for anything. Mm-hmm. Was but, there ever,
0: like, a, an instance where it was almost as if it felt like teams were throwing
2: things over the wall? Oh, well, that mm. definitely. You mean, like, just like, yeah, hey, is, here, take it. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I didn't really is care. Is there problem? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. 100%. I don't want to deal with this. <laughs> no, That I got that feeling a lot. And I'm always the person. I never want to give someone more work than they already yeah. have. So I always felt bad like going back to them. But at the same time, it's like it's your job to give this to me. Like I'm not asking you just because like I want you to do the work. It's because I need it in order to do my work and you're the only person who can do it. Yeah. Um, like a lot of times I would I me personally, I would try to learn how they do it. Yeah. Because if it's something quick, like, oh, you get give me this report can you just give me like access to run this report and i can just run it myself yeah because then you're on just save so yourself. much time you
0: sound like a good engineer but yeah no
2: i <laughs> i definitely had within the department and other departments where it's like hey i need this and they send it and it's like this isn't what i asked for
0: <laughs> it sounds like a front-end and back-end thing right kind of could be need better apis you need better apis Watch people are that. just API. Hey, I don't work there anymore. <laughs> no. Well, let's hope your new company has better APIs. <laughs> yeah. I'm be you're getting that API. You're going to be meeting Hey-oh. these people. You are API number one, number two, number three. <laughs> um, so, do we want to talk a little bit about the kind of what's driving a lot of backend services? What do you mean? Sure,
2: like Uber. <laughs> I prefer Lyft.
0: (laughs) Car references, wow. Um, No, like, what, so a lot of back-end services, you know, we talked about some backend services are just APIs to databases, right? So, like, what other types of back-end services are there? Um, What is driving those back-end services if, you know, in our example, or my example is the database is doing that. Yeah, so you have, like, you're talking about background workers? Things yeah, that stuff like that. Just... I think people might be interested in that. Yeah, so... Hopefully. Let us know. I would. Hit us up at the <laughs> Gmail, storypointsdev at gmail.com. Wow, we can he's... talk about different types of topics that you're interested in listening to. Stole my plug. Memorize that email for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's on a post-it note. I can see it.
3: <laughs> yeah, so, you know, we talked about APIs, right, but if you don't have something that needs to be processed immediately or returned back to you, right? Like you're creating an order, and then your order goes through and you need to send your email confirmation. Like that doesn't have to happen immediately, right? So your order goes through, message goes back to a queue like George was saying, and then you have a background worker, which is just, you know, another back end, back end service that will read the queue, do its processing send off your email send you a notification whatever and then you know move on to the next one so that's like one example
0: yeah and that's like you know a lot of like you said a lot of complex systems like facebook twitter anything really once you get to a certain point you kind of need to go past crud apps yeah (laughs) um and you have to get into things like workers who are going to make your system be nice and fast because everything's about the user experience. Even if you're working on like a back end system, it's all about the user experience of, okay, let's just tell them everything's okay. Right. We'll notify yeah. them later that, hey, their Instagram post didn't load. Because if you notice when you post something on Instagram, you'll see that little loader at the top. And then it's like, yeah, we we posted it. And maybe it did, maybe it didn't. But it, it it's there to kind of indicate to you that we're processing on it.
3: Right, yeah. So like present the user with as much information in the moment that they care about and then yeah. do all of the background stuff. Yeah. Like, you know, have all of your little worker ants in the background, like processing and
0: just. Yeah, like when everything all from when you like a post to what kind of post did you like so that they can tell you, show you yeah. other information. And that's all like background workers there.
3: Yeah, I mean, so what else are there? Like background workers, APIs?
0: Um, there could be like other kinds of service, like third party services, depending on what they are. We, w- I mean, I would consider them like a back end service, yeah. Uh, like you know, Stripe, for example, that's a payment system.
2: Do you use <laughs> like how many uh, for balanced, how many back end systems do you guys use? If you can say, I assume,
0: mm-hmm. like just a number. <laughs> Well, so that's actually interesting. It can dive into like a topic that I wanted to talk about with you guys of like, how do you build an MVP of a product? I have a great idea. I want to build an MVP. How can people do that? And a lot of times, apps are built off of MVPs are built off of like other services. So for us, we're like, yeah, six okay. honestly.
3: So six third parties, or yeah, six yeah. third
0: parties. And slowly, like even right now, we're thinking about re- like rewriting and making our own back end because it's just not working for us right now. I was gonna have grown out of it
2: like do you sometimes do you do that to just hit the ground running so you don't have to worry about that, and then you kind of circle back and you're like, "Okay, now I have time to work on this so that we don't need this service anymore, yeah,
3: yeah, okay that's that's exactly what it is right like get to market as fast as possible with what's available mm-hmm. yeah. and then come back and decide worry about is this yeah. working yeah. can yeah. we yeah. do this better is it flexible enough
0: all that kind of stuff yeah uh so as an infrastructure person joe like have you had to write any well we asked you before so i'm asking you now if like oh boy you know we asked you if you wrote any front end do you have you ever written any back end What's your experience with backend in terms of development and engineers?
3: Yeah, well, so like on the infra team, you're always interacting with developers, right? Like what I was talking about before, where it's like, hey, we, we made this change on the infra side, we need you to make this change in your application, right? You're always talking to engineers and and kind of interacting with them and making your changes and all that fun mm-hmm. stuff. Wow. Um, but from like the actual day-to-day, There's a lot of tools that we write, like internal tools that help us do what we need to do, which I guess would be considered back-end tools. I mean, there's obviously a lot of front-end stuff, like aspects to it, but if you have some job that you need to run or some config that needs to get applied, like I kind of consider that all back-end services, so Mm -hmm. things that you're not really interacting with other developers and you're kind of just running on their own and kind of doing their own thing, but you know like a lot of infrastructure stuff is like config management and just writing tools that kind of help you do your job better Mm -hmm. so i think a lot of those would be considered back-end services i mean they're not probably as critical in like the actual product that you're selling but you're still writing the software and yeah and stuff like that
0: yeah so you know we've you know george and i have worked with internal teams before um but i think they are they are critical because some of them Mm -hmm. like for example deal with security or monitoring and so if that's broken then you have to (laughs) you you don't know if your app's broken so it's a lot of uh different things there that you don't really consider you don't think about when you're building an app right right
3: i mean and even like as a developer right like you're not you're not really thinking about any of that stuff until it's broken and you're like hey yeah where the heck are my logs or
0: well and that's that's one thing that i consider when like hiring for the second engineer um is where do they come from so if they came from amazon google facebook that's great but they all have relied on all these internal tools that make their job so easy it's like are they able to kind of get going without these tools there for Mm -hmm. them um so that's that's one thing that I always ask them.
3: No, that's it's a good point, right? Because yeah. if you if you're working at a company and everything is kind of established for you, and it's just like, oh yeah, we just you know the logs work, and yeah, yeah, I get my metrics and all this stuff, and it's like okay, but we don't have any of that stuff. Yep. So how would you
2: handle it? It's we need to question. rewind for one second because we jumped right into infrastructure, but the non techies want a general like <laughs> definition. We hit the definition for the first two. It's only fair. Yeah. So like just this is the Joe
0: podcast, not Joe Rogan. Joe <laughs> hey, podcast. Away. Welcome to the
3: Joe Rogan podcast. The Joe cast. <laughs> yeah. So infrastructure, right? It's it's everything that runs all of the software. So from server level to network level to how do you deploy your code, right? Like your developers making changes. How does your code go live on the front end, right? Like all of the the kind of systems that go into running the software, how how do we log, how do we collect all of your logs, right? Like, if you're a developer and you're writing code and there's an incident going on and your front end is down and nobody can buy any, you know, pens off of Amazon, right? Like, pen. how do you know what's going on? Well, your back end systems and your front end systems are all logging what they're doing. Collecting everything right. that's going on. Yeah, so we have systems in place to collect your logs and collect your metrics and collect kind of all of your your requests that come from the back end or from the front mm. end to the back end say, all right, like, you know, maybe the request is timing out from the front end to the back end, like what's going on there. So, you know, just everything that's kind of needed to run your application. I so would
2: say. You, if you find the problems, are you the ones like, are you giving the solutions? Are you saying, here's the problem? This is where you have to look and then no. they figure it out.
3: So it, it's more of like, building the tools and the systems so that the engineer, like the front end, back end, full stack, like whoever can go into those systems and solve the problem. Got it. Mm -hmm. So you're basically enabling everybody else to kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah. Just make their lives easier.
0: It is something we do want to talk about and that might not be towards people who are interested in like very beginner to software engineering or even just Mm -hmm. want to learn about tech culture and engineering, but that's something that we the industry calls DevOps. It's like a mentality that even though Joe works with infrastructure, he is not just there building infrastructure all day. He's enabling you as a front end or back end engineer to be able to debug your code. He's not there to figure out what's wrong and then you he tells you and you do it. Exactly. It's an old mentality that you know i we've all felt it we felt it before of like yeah figure out what's wrong and then you just tell me the line that i need to change we've been in that situation before right. where engineers
2: are like yelling at you like we said throwing it over the wall so let me see let me break this down into cars since oh, we were using that earlier yeah. so like if my uh if my check engine light comes on that's front end right like i'm seeing that i know but Just bear with me. (laughs) We're both like, no, I'm looking at the interface, right? So, like, the interface of my my dashboard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That that is your front. front, That actually, yeah, that's your front. But then, infrastructure builds the code reader that I can plug into my car that gives me the exact problem. Yeah. So then I I know why the check engine light's on because the check engine light can come on for so many different reasons. Yes, yes. So I plug in the coder and it says, this is wrong. And then a mechanic or a back-end engineer would be like, oh, I can fix that. Boom. Then the light goes off.
3: Yeah. Yeah, so... Well, in a so, very, like, yeah.
2: simplistic, like, vague so, way, I But
3: to, like, tie it back to that, so, like, for infrastructure, right, like, we have a lot of systems in place for monitoring and alerting, which would be, like, your check engine light, right? So, like... So, the
2: light itself, right, would be an infrastructure thing. That light well, going only just, go like, on because the infrastructure found something is, like
3: right but like you have your sensors and you have all this stuff that's collecting data right about the car hey like you're overheating yeah right so like constantly checking your temperature and things like that like there are systems that we have that are like constantly monitoring monitoring for hey like how long is the request taking how high is the cpu right. on this instance like all this stuff and yeah. then firing off alerts which would be your check engine light to a back-end team or a front-end team saying, hey, like, your software is not doing too hot. Right, right, right. Okay, so yeah, so
2: the light coming on itself is the the warning. Yeah. You don't need the code reader, duh.
1: Okay, yeah. Like, I, I kind of just want to give an example, like an Amazon example, just to relate that. Like, if you're checking out on Amazon and you hit checkout and you get an error on the screen and it just says, like, some random gibberish that could be a front end error sending the information to whatever api it could be the api crapping out and sending an error back um if something like the page doesn't load at all like amazon.com is down that could be an infrastructure thing because that's like my site isn't accessible whatsoever um if it's something like only certain users in a certain region are aren't able to place orders, it kind of takes both front end and back end engineers to figure out. Could also be infrastructure or could, security. Could also be infrastructure, could be security, but that's where like the infrastructure, the tools that the infrastructure team works on come into play. Cause then we need to look up like your user ID and then trace everything you've done and see okay where does the problem occur is it from a front end like where do we see the error for the first time and then it kind of helps like track things down
3: yeah a lot of it is is like visibility into what's going on basically
0: and that's what we call a full stack engineer (laughs) okay um so yeah so i think might be a good time to wrap it up right i think we talked a lot about different aspects of the back end to the infrastructure to even front end just a little bit of how they interact with backend um but what's a piece of advice that you'd give anyone interested in getting into backend engineering or <laughs> or even infrastructure uh for me the first thing that comes to mind is like don't make it too complicated uh and i say that as someone who makes things way too complicated from the start uh start small and then you can always build on top you can't It's easier to build on top than it is to tear things down.
1: I think I've always said keep an open mind when it comes to like giving advice. But as a front end engineer who is open to doing more back end stuff, I would say just make your team aware that you are open to it. And if possible, just ask, like, oh, can I watch you do something? Just to like, get their attention and get them thinking like just stay on their mind because um yeah sometimes it is very hard like they're like oh yeah you're the front-end engineer you don't know how any of this works but i think asking can i watch goes a long way like, yeah that's worked for it, me
0: it's the same thing i've told you of like it helps you as a front-end engineer do your job better
1: oh yeah definitely and i definitely think definitely. it would
0: help a back-end engineer build apis better yes which if is they, why I share as much as possible. Yeah, as about, if like, they why.
2: understand what the UI
0: looks like and yes. how things and load. The use case and, so. Yeah. Yep. Things like that.
2: Agreed. My advice is don't take my advice because I have no practical experience <laughs> with any of this. But <laughs> I but I have learned a lot.
3: <laughs> so many APIs you've interacted with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I guess for me, I would say like going back to what I was kind of mentioning before where it's like if you are working on a system whether it be front-end or back-end, like, and you need to make a change, don't just throw it over the wall and say, hey, do this thing for me. Don't be a dick. Take a look at the code, see if you can figure it out, and find a back-end or front-end engineer who knows it and work with them, like you were saying, George, to do your change that you want to do because I bet you nine and a half times out of 10, they'd be more than happy to help you make the change as opposed to you just saying, hey, can you make this change for me? Like, if you're trying oh. to do it, they'll be more than willing to help you figure out what's going on.
1: Yeah. I've- I think that's that's a big one. If you're going to ask for help, ask and be very willing to take part of the answer. Yeah. Even if it's just for someone to explain it to you and then... Or for someone to fix it and then explain why it broke. Because just saying, hey, this is broken yeah. might not get you an answer. But, hey, can someone explain why this isn't working to me or going something.
3: with context of like hey i tried to do this right. thing and yeah. it's not doing what i thought it the would is this the right place things yeah.
2: like that
0: yeah so i mean it goes into kind of just in general talking to people yeah <laughs> on yeah. teams communication. like communication so i'm the only engineer right and <laughs> a lot of times people come will message me and just be like it's broken what's broken what didn't work, like always provide yeah, context. right? you need the context. Because right? then I'm just sitting there and being like, great, it's broken. <laughs>
3: right, but it also shows that you care about the problem and you tried to solve it yourself as opposed to just like, right. oh, this isn't my problem. Like, yeah, hey, you your thing's on. broken. Can yeah. you fix it? Kind of I, thing. I yeah. think
2: that's great advice that can translate to any job of like before you ask for something, well, not necessarily before you ask for something, but kind of picture, put yourself in that person's shoes. Like I'm sure there's, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that I've been asked of in my career that I've done and I know it's like crappy to do. So now when I have to ask that of someone else, I'm like, oh, I remember this person was just like, give this to me, blah, 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 with like, like you said, no context and stuff yeah, like that. Right. And it's like, you know, at the end of the day, like everyone's a human. You don't want to make someone's life harder. Yeah. And and if you're working at the same company, you have the same goal. You have the same mission, right? To For the companies to succeed. So to to an extent. Yeah, I think that's very important to have an open mind. So instead of being like if you're a front-end person being like, you back-end guys have to fix this. Like <laughs> yeah. I think it's great and also from a personal standpoint, learning open open uh, opening your mind to learning about other aspects of mm-hmm. of like your industry and your career can go a long way.
0: Yeah, and if you want to learn more about software engineering and discuss different topics about tech, you can catch us at Story Points stories about and yeah, i always get the titles
2: wrong <laughs> well i mean any topics you want to hear about you can email us at storypointsdev at gmail and if you want to listen to past episodes and see how cringy we were when we were first learning how to podcast you can or 10 at... seconds ago when
0: i messed up the title <laughs>
2: <laughs> listen that's what the editing's for what are the uh, platforms we're on
0: yeah so you can catch us on spotify apple podcast google Podcasts, overcast on all those different platforms i'm sure we're there um dreamcast not dreamcast Dreamcast. r.i.p uh story points stories about engine stories about engineering
3: damn Damn. (laughs) if they made it this far it's fine (laughs) yeah i'm not
0: gonna end that up thanks folks